Hello, you are listening to the Secular Buddhism Podcast, and this is episode number 16. I am your host, Noah Roshetta, and today I'm talking about truth in the context of time. Welcome to the Secular Buddhism Podcast. I'm excited to announce something new. Within the next few weeks, the Secular Buddhism Podcast is going to be forming part of a nonprofit organization called Foundation for Mindful Living. This is something I will be playing a part in, and part of the overall scope of this new entity is to create content and opportunities for people to learn to live more mindfully. So this means there will be opportunities for retreats, workshops, books, and many other tools available in the future for anyone who's, gonna, who's interested in learning about secular Buddhism or just learning to live mindfully. So I will update you with the uh, information about this as it becomes available. It's just something I'm excited about and wanted to let you know that that's in the works um, so that you know that this entire uh, thing that I'm putting together will be operating under a nonprofit organization very soon. So I'm really excited about that. And then, of course, before we start, a reminder, as the Dalai Lama says, do not try to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. Use it to be a better whatever you already are. Something I ask you to always keep in mind as you listen and learn about the topics and concepts discussed in the podcast. And again, um, if you enjoy the podcast, please feel free to share, write a review, or give it a rating. So now let's jump into this week's topic. In last week's podcast episode, I spoke a little bit about the idea, the concept of faith and doubt, and specifically the faith to doubt, um, at least within the Buddhist uh, worldview or the Buddhist concept. So today, all week, I've been thinking about truth, which was another uh, podcast episode that was discussed a few weeks ago. And I believe I, I highlighted kind of the difference between what I call conceptual truths versus empirical truths. And I wanted to elaborate on this a little bit more based on a conversation I had with a friend this week. But the idea, just as a recap, is that when we're talking about truth, there are uh, at least two major kinds of truths the way I like to think about it. These are the truths that are true regardless of what I believe and the truths that are true because of what I believe. So an example of the first one, a truth regardless of what I believe is a is an empirical truth. This is the type of truth that's true whether or not there are humans on the planet. That's an easy way to think about it. For example, um, you know, when the moisture in the air saturates to the point uh, where it can no longer hold moisture, then it starts to rain. That would happen whether or not we believe in that. It'll happen whether or not there are humans on the planet. That's just something that happens. That's an example of an empirical truth, or as I mentioned earlier, earlier, a truth that is true regardless of what I believe. So most of the truths that we deal with on a day-to-day basis in our lives aren't empirical truths. These are the, the conceptual truths. These are truths that are true because we believe them. And the example I gave of a conceptual truth was the value of gold versus silver, or really the value of any precious gem. It's true that a diamond is worth more than a piece of coal, but that's 
a conceptual truth that's only true because we believe it. There is no inherent value in a piece of diamond versus a piece of coal of coal. That becomes uh, truth and, and it gains value because as humans, we have collectively decided that a, va- that a diamond is valuable and therefore we are going to assign it a specific value. So that's an example of a conceptual truth. And the reason I wanted to elaborate on this a little bit more from the, from the previous podcast where I discussed truths was because uh, truths are... Um, contingent upon space and time. You know, in Buddhism, we talk about space and time. Everything exists in space and time. And in terms of space, all things are interdependent. We've talked about that. And in terms of time, all things are impermanent. And usually when uh, I'm discussing this concept with someone and I talk about the idea of impermanence, uh, we think about the opposite of impermanent being permanent. And yeah, that makes sense, but it's more than that. It's, I think, a better or maybe an easier way to understand the concept of impermanence is understanding the idea of something fixed and permanent versus something fluctuating and changing. So impermanence, think about it as fluctuation and change. That's that's the way to understand this. So how does that apply to the way that we view conceptual truths? That's really the heart of what I want to get at today. And the whole way that this conversation started up was in a discussion with a friend in my uh, ministry program about um, having read an old love letter. And my friend read this old love letter, and it contained wording that was very compelling to the argument of you know, being in love, saying, you know, uh, I, I, I'm so happy that we're finally together. Um, I'll never leave your side. Uh, you're the soulmate I was looking for. Words like that. And she was reading this letter from the, from the understanding that um, seven months later, after the date on this letter, this relationship was had ended and, and there was divorce. And the context of the conversation was in a, in a world where all things are impermanent or all things are constantly changing, how do you make sense of things like love or things like uh, promises, the, the promises that are made, wedding vows, any, any form of a promise that seems long-term seems like a permanent thing. How does that work in the context of impermanence? So I wanted to discuss this a little bit because that got me thinking. In fact, I've been thinking about this a couple weeks after that conversation. And I went through a similar experience to what she went through um, in my own life. And, you know, without really giving any any details uh, into my personal life or my experiences with this, um, essentially what happened is there was a point in my own marriage that was very rocky and there had been a breach of confidence and and things got really rocky and I wasn't sure it was going to survive. And during or right before entering that difficult phase in my marriage, uh, I had spent some time on Mother's Day. Uh, I got these post-it notes and I thought I would write 100 things I love about you. And my idea was 100 things, one one per post-it note. And I would go put these all over the wall and surprise her. And I started working on this and it took me a while and there was no appreciation for it. And, um, and I felt kind of silly for even doing it and didn't think anything, 
didn't think much of it later because, you know, like I mentioned, we entered a pretty rocky phase soon after that. And I wasn't sure we were going to survive. The, the, the marriage was going to survive. But long story short, many months, maybe even years later, I came across one of those post-it notes. It had somehow stuck in my, um, in one of my binders, or maybe it was in a book as a bookmark. I can't remember exactly where I saw it, but I remember seeing it. And when I saw that post-it note, I immediately had this thought of, wow, I guess what I wrote back then, that was all that was fake. It was all a lie because I didn't know that at the time, you know, something was going on in my marriage and my marriage wasn't what I thought it was. It was, it was a fraud, so to speak. And I had this feeling of a conflict with what was true now versus what felt true then uh, versus what felt true in between now and then. And, and it was an interesting and fascinating experience for me to, to sit and contemplate this notion of truth relative to time. And I had to analyze and conclude that it wasn't a lie and it wasn't fraud because what, when it was expressed, it was absolutely true. You know, I didn't know that it was going to be only a month later that it was going to be really rocky and neither one of us were sure we wanted to be with each other anymore. Um, so at that point, that was the new truth, the truth that we weren't sure we even wanted to be together. And then years after that, uh, we reached a point where we were committed and decided, you know what, we do want to make this work. And that was the new truth. And at, at, at every point along that spectrum, all of those emotions were true. It was true that I that I had this uh, intense desire to make it work and be with my wife. And it's true that at one point I did not want to be with my wife. I didn't want it to work out. And it's true that at one point I did want to be with my wife and I wanted to make that work. And I thought of my friend's letter. And I think we do this a lot in life. We, we, we project the truth of the present and we apply it to a truth in the past or even in the future that's not relevant. It's, it's taking the concept of something that was true yesterday and understanding that that may not be true today. And I think we do this with beliefs and with views and with uh, tastes. You know, it may be that as a kid I liked hot dogs and now I don't. It's true that I love hot dogs and it's true that I don't love hot dogs. It's just contingent upon the context of time. Um, but what we te- our tendency is to take the present day truth and apply that in the extension of time past and present. And that's where things can get a little bit rocky. And I think that's where this notion was becoming difficult for my friend to see that letter and think that was all a lie because she knew that seven months later that marriage was going to be over and all those words were now empty and meaningless and no longer true. When the reality is as hard as it may be for us to accept they they were they were true. They were just true in the context of the time in which they were written. They're not true now, but they were true at one point. And I thought about this a lot um, in, in other contexts of time in my own life, beliefs that I've had. You know, at one point in my life, I believed certain things that I don't believe now. And I'm sure at one point in my life in the future, I may believe things that I don't believe now. Or I may not believe things in the future that I do believe now. And these will be my truths, but they're always going to be relevant in the present moment. So when you take a concept like promises, you know, how does this 
in a world that's ever changing, what's the point of making a promise? Let's say my promise is I want to, I want to be um, faithful to my spouse, for example, or I want to uh, be a certain type of dad for my kids. That's a, a long-term promise or a long-term commitment. And how do you? Why would you make something uh, a promise that's long-term in a world that's ever changing? And I think the answer to that is that you don't. You don't make a promise in in the long term. And and so I think what that means for me, you know, I I don't view it as I am eternally committed to being, you know, to my spouse for example. But what I am is eternally committed in the present moment. It's right now this is the promise and it's an ongoing promise that's continually renewed. It's continually renewed and moment to moment in the moment-to-moment experience of life. And that might seem a little weird because you think, well, but it sounds more noble to say, I'm going to love you forever. But if you if you really think about it, love doesn't work that way because it's not permanent. You know, when you fall in love, the person that you fell in love with changes over time and you change over time. So you have two people who are constantly changing, living in a world of constant change, and somehow the emotion of love is supposed to be this permanent thing, but it's not. It's it's also changing. It's fluctuating. And the way it works is you're constantly falling in love with the person that you're committed to stay in love with. It, I think, in fact, that's what makes it work is realizing that it's constant and that every day my spouse is the person that I'm learning to love. Every day, the new version of her, every hour, every minute. And the moment I make that a stagnant thing, it deteriorates the love that I have for her. It would be very easy to say, well, you're not the person I fell in love with uh, seven years ago when we got married or eight years ago or nine years ago, whatever it is. And the thing is, you're absolutely right. That's not the same person that you married. And guess what? You're not the same person that they married. And this doesn't just apply to relationships and to love. This applies to everything. I think with careers, this is common too. It's like, well, when I graduated from college, I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I was for a while working on television commercial production. And one day that evolved. And then whatever I was at the time is what I was at the time. And that, for me personally, has evolved year after year, it seems. I've been a lot of different things. But You take someone who's been in a career their whole lives and then they look back one day and say, I I got into the wrong career because what I wanted should have been this or should have been that. But that's not true because you did exactly what you thought you wanted to do when you did it. The difference is that as you've changed and evolved over time, the idea of what you thought you wanted um, hasn't. So then, you know, it it makes you think that, um, that the truth of the present is different than the, is the same as the truth of the past. That's where it becomes, uh, it becomes an uh, iffy. I don't know if iffy is the right word. It becomes uh, tricky to work with the truth of the past, applying it to the present because it changes. The truth is what changes. And, And maybe truth isn't the right word here. We could say life or reality. So using the word truth, Life, reality, these are all interchangeable. But the concept to grasp here is impermanence. Impermanence means constant change. And that means that whatever was true at one point in the past may not be true today. 
And if you really want to be liberated by this knowledge, you need to understand that what you hold to be true today also may not be true in the future. And see, this is a very powerful way of experiencing uh, reality in the present moment. It's understanding that I'm experiencing my own conceptual truths in the present moment, and they are completely relevant here and now. They may not be relevant in the future, and they may not uh, be relevant when compared to the past. And, and if you're honest with yourself, you'll look and realize that's true. That's exactly how it works, because there are so many things in your past that I'm sure are no longer relevant now. Ways that you used to be, things that you used to think, uh, beliefs that you used to believe. These, are, these evolve and change over time. So it limits our ability to grow when we have a fixed mindset that decides whatever is now, that sense of permanence, I'm going to extend it, past and future. The healthy way of viewing the present is in that state of flow. Rather than a fixed mindset, it's a growth mindset. Uh, Carol Dweck talks about um, this concept of fixed mindset versus growth mindset. In fact, I think that's the, the title of her book, um, and you should check that out in, in terms of parenting and, and how we experience life. The idea is that the moment we try to make it fixed, we hinder and limit our ability to grow. Because growth, uh, as the name itself implies, growth is change. It's the only way that you grow is because you're changing. There is, as soon as there's no growth, then you know that's death. Life is the process of constant change. The moment you're not changing, that, that means you're dead. Now you're, you're done. There is no, no more change. And yet somehow we attach to this idea of trying to grasp life and make it a fixed concept. I want all my truths to be fixed. I want my sense of self to be a fixed sense of self. Who I was in the past is who I am now, and it's who I will be in the future. And that's just not true. Who I was yesterday may be irrelevant to who I am today, and and it might be uh, very different from who I am in the future because that's the nature of change. It's the nature of life, reality, and truth. It's constantly changing. So what I wanted to uh, ultimately get at in this podcast uh, episode was this concept of truth relative to space and time, specifically time. And I hope that you can... Set aside some time in your day or in your week to explore what truths were true to you in the past that are no longer true today. And then if you really want to get uh, something out of this, try to spend some time looking at the things that you hold on to as fixed truths today and look at them with the perspective that they may not be fixed truths in the future because that's the nature of change, the nature of truth is that it's constantly changing and it's all of our conceptual truths work this way conceptual truths are always relative to time um, going back to the example of the diamond think about that the, the the value of a diamond or the value of gold versus silver is relative uh, in terms of being a truth it's relative to space and time alter the equation of space and time and let's go back to um, instead of where we live now let's go back to um I don't know, some pick anywhere on earth 10,000 years ago. And now 
the 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 truth of the value of gold versus silver is different. Go back twenty thousand years ago, fifty thousand years ago, a million years ago, and these things just change. Truth changes. Truth evolves. So that's that's really what I wanted to get at in this podcast episode, and the sense of freedom that comes from letting go of the fixed part of truth. You know, you can hold on to your truths. First, recognize that my truths are they conceptual or are they um, or, or are they empirical? And once you've done that and you, and you realize, wow, all my truths that are so important to me are actually conceptual truths, then you let go of the grip a little bit. And then the next step is to take those truths and understand, wow, these are actually truths that are relative to space and time. They're true to me here and now, and they may not be in the future. And I can, I can analyze that yesterday's truth may not be true today. Then you let go of that grip a little bit more. And what happens when we let go of the grip is that we're left with this sense of freedom, freedom to move around and to, and to be, to flow with the nature of reality, which is the nature of change. And you change with it. That's where, that's where this sense of freedom comes from. The moment we become fixed and we hold things like truth or reality as fixed things, then we start to encounter problems because the nature of reality and the nature of truth isn't fixed. It's impermanent, which means it's constantly changing. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, many of you have reached out to me in the last few weeks, and I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me to hear um, that these podcasts are making a difference in your lives. When I first encountered and started studying Buddhism, it became a topic that helped me to experience life in this new perspective that was so liberating. And I think what it boiled down to is I had the full freedom to just be me, to accept me as I am in the present, in the present moment. And even, and even more beautiful, it gave me the ability to see others for who they are in the present moment with whatever their conceptual truths are in the present moment. And you just, you feel compassion for people. And I knew that I wanted to make this something per, um, something more regular. I wanted to be able to teach Buddhism. And I wanted to be able to teach these concepts of mindful living. And I'm really excited that I'm going to have that opportunity now through this nonprofit that we're forming, the Foundation for Mindful Living. So thank you guys for being a part of this journey with me. This podcast has been uh, very instrumental in allowing me to build up what I'm trying to do in life. And I'm very grateful for each one of you who takes the time to listen to this and shares these podcasts and writes the reviews and reaches out to me. It's really meaningful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to the next podcast episode sometime next week. Until next time. Mm-hmm.